Joel, uh, his bosses didn't like him, <laughs> it turns out, and uh, they shot him into space. Wow. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, story. <laughs> they send him cheesy movies, actually, um, the worst they can find. I and see. Uh, They'll monitor, he's forced to watch them, and he'll, they'll monitor his mind. Um, the only good part about this whole story of Joel is that uh, he'll have to keep his sanity with the help of his robot friends. Oh, robot okay. roll call! BDFM. Welcome to BDFM. My name is D. I am B. I am a comedian, um, semi-professionally, a scientist, a writer, raconteur. I am a writer. I am a food worker and a gardener. That's for fun. Mm. I should be doing that for pay, though. Probably. Yeah. It's good money in that. And the rest of the time, I'm podcasting with you. Mm-hmm. Or thinking about podcasting with you. And the other 12 hours, just uh, embalmed in beauty fluid, <laughs> sleeping dreamlessly Ooh. in your sensory deprivation cocoon. Mm, I would love to sleep in a sort of a gel. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like like in... Don't we uh, all want to? Like the Matrix? Mm-hmm. I was going to say like, That's uh, right. like with a chance chance of meatballs when they are in the jello. The second is one? If, no, the first one, the when, first one when he makes her a jello house yeah. and they go swimming in it. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I would like that. I think we all secretly... It, it's very, it's very um, womb-like. Get well, let's get to the television. show. This is a show, um, not necessarily about television, but at least inspired and uh, around television. Um, we're going to watch, we're going to each bring to the table one episode of television that we want to uh, either rewatch or in some cases watch for the first time mm-hmm. and then uh, discuss the ideas and issues brought up therein. Sometimes we have been thinking about a particular issue, a topic, all week, and we're trying to find an episode that fits something. Or other times it's an episode we remember seeing, and uh, we just have to revisit it. Um, in this case, I think this one uh, might be kind of topical. Yours at least. This is very topical. In fact, we're recording this... Um, in July 2023, we might try to skip it to the front of the line. I don't know yet because uh, we've we had some to. other recordings in the bag that haven't been released yet. But um, this is extremely topical, so we might release it first. Which is the topic, the main topic that we've been thinking about is the SAG-AFTRA strike. Mm-hmm. And the pretty people all joining the nerds on the picket line. <laughs> Finally, as it should be, support from the cool kids for the Draniacs who are already out there picketing their little Although, s- souls out. I think this is a little bit of a, of a retcon of all of our high school experiences if all of the theater kids are cool kids now. I don't know. It's being, it's being framed very much as actors are all the beautiful people, which many are, but actors are very much nerds. In their own right, I think we gotta. Yeah, you know, the, most of the working the, actors we know are not. The, well, they're all gorgeous. Theater kids in high school aren't the movie stars of today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they're, no, they are the WGA writers and uh, and and uh, theater technicians. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. No, that's cynical. I'm just saying that <laughs> um, the actual movie stars who are hyper famous are all super hot. Is it's what true. I'm trying to say. There's a lot of beauty going on. But beauty is not fully in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> Some of it's just <laughs> objective. But anyway, I digress. What I wanted to do today is um, because the uh, SAG after Union is headed by an actor, of course, because it has to be. And that actor is none other than Fran Drescher, sitcom star mm-hmm. of the 90s. And not any time after that. <laughs> I wanted to revisit The Nanny. I used to see it on TV as a teenager. You know, I'm not going to sit. We're not here. We're not apologists for bad TV. We're not here to say that it's a good show. Um, but it, maybe it is. I don't know. I don't remember it as being a good show. I don't remember it as being well written or particularly well acted. But 
We thought Fran was pretty cool this week when she came out strongly in support of the union. And also, you know, she seems like a cool dude. So um, <laughs> we're going to check out, uh, there's an episode of The Nanny called The Strike. So it's very topical. Sweet. We're going to check that out. The episode is season two, episode 11. It's called The Strike. Wow. And we're going to see some labor politics from um, Ms. Drescher and uh maybe laugh <laughs> i make i'm gonna laugh i plan to laugh a couple times i plan to laugh i remember it being funny three times <laughs> groan eight times and roll my eyes thrice <laughs> it's funny that you should have chosen season two episode 11 because my show is season two episode 10 numerology and that's always good luck right Coincidence. and the numbers land close together I'm doing season two, episode 10 of the show, Angel, the series, Angel. He's not quite Batman, but he's sort of like, he's, it's side of Chinatown, but Batman, and he's a vampire. Angel, Twilight before Twilight. Yeah, <laughs> Angel, a weed and Better than show. Twilight. Yes. It's a neo-noir detective show. Set in Los Feliz, mostly. <laughs> yeah. Set in and around all of our, you know, favorite haunts. The Angel House no. is, yeah, it's right over, mm-hmm. right over yonder. Reunion is the episode where uh, a scary vampire lady from Angel's past comes back and bites another uh, lady and makes her a vampire, and they all run around. Uh, and okay. there's a lot to it, but it has a lot to do with um, the sexual dynamics of an iconic vampire thruple, um, Angel, Darla, and Drusilla. Oh, fun. <clears throat> I remember Drusilla. Yeah. Um, Drusilla, played by Juliet Landau, who was always out there with the fans. Landau, she's who's fo- that? She follows that everybody Landau's back. She's awesome. Great, great, great you granddaughter. Know, I do, honestly, <laughs> I think she, I think that might be true. Because he's a million years old. Well, um, <laughs> this is also relevant because the, the streaming... I'm trying to make it relevant to the writer strike because <laughs> because uh, putting off the the um, the streaming agreement ten years ago has come back to bite the AMPTPP mm. mm-hmm. yes in the ass and there are some high powered executives who who get what is coming what's coming for them uh, in the angel in, or in, in this in, angel in episode real life. so all right yeah I think it's sort of it's a blast from the past uh, both of these are gonna are gonna sort of speak truth to power a little I think bit. the nanny's um, owner what do you call na- the, the nanny's <laughs> master oh, Jesus. oh, oh na- worse worse and worse, worse? Uh, that's the, worse the nanny's employer gets what's coming to there him in this okay. episode from what I've heard I like okay. the vibe though like there is no ethical employment it's all like ownership does she own the means of, of I mean, being a nanny she sort of lives and works there I think yeah, is it indentured servitude? What is happening in this? And he's British. But, you know, got, I, I mean. I don't know what this show is about anymore. It's fine to offer your employees a place to live as long as you pay them fairly. Okay. Well, I guess what's going to happen is we're going to take a break and we're going to watch both of those episodes of television and then come back and talk about what happened. And we'll mm-hmm. give a little summary. So if you listen to the podcast, you are going to miss the watching part. And we'll be right back to tell you how it went. If you like, you can always go to garage.tv and watch our watch-alongs. And if you become a subscriber, you can watch our watch-alongs. There's other shows there, including WizWorld Live and Science AF and some other things. You can also go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash bdfmpod, and throw us a few bucks to watch some watch-alongs. Follow us at bdfmpod on threads. Hey, thread us a thread, you threads. I don't know how how we're going to talk about threads yet. Hasn't quite been established how we're talking about the new threads. Post post a thread, I guess. You post on threads. I don't know. Yeah. Thread, 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 thread. Um, It's like buffalo, 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 buffalo. Yes. Except it's threads. We use every piece of the buffalo here at Threads. We'll be right back after this. BDFM is brought to you by... Barney's Back Scratchers. Oh, my back. Here's the before. Oh, my back. It's so 
itchy. What am I going to do? Hi, I'm Barney, and I've brought you a back scratcher. Uh, <laughs> now that's some scratched back. That's the ticket. Oh, wow. Listen to that back scratch. Every Barney's back scratcher comes in limited edition cherry wood vinyl. Teak, mahogany, uh, cedar, <laughs> <laughs> lots of woods. Don't listen to doctors who tell you that scratching your back with our back scratchers is going to somehow lead to skin irritation or danger. <laughs> Those doctors it's, are full of shit. It's fine. Those doctors can go screw for all I care. Stupid doctors. Did I tell you how much my back got scratched? Two out of seven doctors agree. It's fine to scratch your backs with these back scratchers. That's Barney's Bad Scratchers, where our motto is... Ah. I've scratched the shit out of it. And we're back. We're this back. This is me. We just watched some television. Mm-hmm. We streamed our watch on Twitch. Mm-hmm. For the first time. That was fun. Very exciting stuff. We did that because we felt this was a very topical topic that we were going to address. I don't know how topical is, is the that episode why we did it? ended up being. Well, it just came together that way. The, um, the topic of the episode is topical, but the show itself and the writing was <laughs> way off topic, if that makes sense. Yeah. But we, would, we just watched The Nanny... And we watched an episode of Angel. Mm -hmm. So we'll give you a quick rundown um, and then talk about stuff. <laughs> so two things can be true. And those two things can be that uh, Fran Drescher can be a badass president of the SAG after union mm -hmm. and give fiery speeches and we like her. And also this show could be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Poorly written, badly acted, yeah. and barely watchable. <laughs> She's definitely the best part of it. I yeah. think. I mean, th there were some gags. Where she did some truly Lucille Ball level face work with the he's right behind me realization. It's There's a bit where she falls over because the dress won't let her sit down. That's, she does truly every other gags. person in the show is forgettable. Yeah, I hate to say it. Yeah. Which is why nobody's heard of any of those actors. <laughs> this was on around the same time as Frasier, right? Because or it was probably before Frasier. Let's I see. I think it must be. So Frasier started in 92. The Nanny started in 94. Four, I believe. Wow. So this is kind of a ripoff of Frasier. I mean, they named the butler mm. Niles, mm -hmm. and he's and he's British, and so is the dad. He he's he's gay in the same sense as Niles and <laughs> Frasier is, which is not really, but wink, wink. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, and it's sure. rich people living with servants i mean i guess that's not the best way to put it but fraser had a live-in housekeeper yeah as well well just you know nobody needs to make any like ethical uh blanket statements about anything about home in home domestic employment but just just suffice it to say that if you find it relatable to have had a live in anything chef housekeeper Mm -hmm. I've been reading a book. Butler, nanny, I've been reading a book valet. called Under the Tuscan Sun, in which like she Archer refers. Has a live-in valet. Yes, this author is, keeps referring back to her her cook mm -hmm. <laughs> that her family kept, <laughs> and it's just like wow, like you have a cook in your home who lives in your home. It's not that's not unrelatable for people. There's people out there who had that as part of their childhood. Um, yeah, but not but a lot of people. That's why they're, not they're called a lot the 1% for, for a reason, because <laughs> only about 1% of people can relate to exactly. this lifestyle. That is a wealthy thing to have Although experienced. It's supposed to be from the, it's ostensibly from the perspective of the working class people living with the rich. Mm -hmm. Sure. But oh, it's just... It's just a mess. This I mean, show's well, they just have, a yeah. mess. So Fran Let Fine, me, who's Fran Drescher, she says she's a blue collar. Yeah. She calls herself it's a blue collar. It's trying to be blood. on the side of blue collar people, but it's just, it misses the mark a, a lot. For, for one thing, the, the plot is just all over the place. Um, if you're going to make a, a show themed around a certain theme, make the whole show about that. that <laughs> the episode theme. is called The Strike. The episode is called The Strike. It's ostensibly about the Fran Drescher's Nanny Fine's employer uh, is a playwright or producer or some such thing. She said he had had one at Tony. 
He's putting on a musical version of Norma Ray, a, a movie that I think might have been a play also, right? It's at least a movie from 1979 about a young woman in the rural South who uh, is turned on to to union organizing and, and becomes a powerful union leader in her town and convinces the people she works with to vote, vote union yes. And anyway... That's the story of Norma Ray. It's a better movie than The Nanny as a TV show. <laughs> but here's the plot of The Nanny. Um, everybody's supposed to go to the boss's musical of Norma Ray called Norma. And they, the whole first act, though, is just about the nanny working around the house and unrelated things. It's like the, the three kids are coming up to her and... Mm-hmm. The oldest girl is wearing a too sexy dress and she tells her to change it. And mm-hmm. the youngest girl, I don't know, has some sort of issue and she helps her. And then the young boy wants to go to the mall. His really nerdy friend is going to go with him to the mall. And they're mm-hmm. like, we got this guy to dri- drive us to the mall. And this handsome young man with a sweater around his shoulders who just looks like, you know, a tad the scion of oil billionaires or something yeah um walks in and he's like i'm going to drive these boys to the mall and then he finds like and this is ridiculous she's like oh we used to pull this all the time they just paid some some nice guy to come in and say Mm -hmm. he was driving but the real driver is going to be she said something about my friend Betty who was <laughs> carving names into her arm. And She's just branded her boyfriend's initials in her brand, arm or something brand, and behind the, in the wheel. Car branding her no- anyway, <laughs> Nanny Fine is inexplicably correct. These two young boys have, they said, oh yeah, we found this guy at the Gap. So <laughs> we're meant to believe, writer of the Nanny, we're meant to believe that these two 14-year-old boys somehow got themselves to the gap which is usually in a mall and and went and got this handsome white boy to come back to their house and lie and say he's driving them to the mall obviously what happened was last time they were at the mall they met this guy they go hey next time we got to call this guy yeah and (laughs) we need to ride to the mall it makes no sense get a lift or this before lifts get a cab why isn't the nanny driving them why isn't the butler driving them like they have all of these servants and yeah. and they're just going to they're like here's a random guy we went to the we found at the mall to bring us to the mall it makes no sense oh my god yeah but it's most just you're just to show he wants to it has nothing to do with the plot of the <laughs> entire rest of the episode then we come to an act break and nothing has happened in relation to the strike the name of the episode there's nothing at all second act starts and the dad's like okay we're going to the hotel i guess i don't i I wasn't even clear why the the play production is at a hotel but okay the production of a play is at a hotel must be a lame production yeah i was or or it's at some fancy reception or something ballroom or they were going to the play at this hotel as far as i could tell yeah it's crazy. Like it's like the <laughs> writers have never been to an off-Broadway play. They don't happen at hotels. But anyway, for some reason, and this is totally glossed over, the hotel workers are on strike mm-hmm. when they get there. Nobody knows why. We don't talk to a single hotel worker or working-class person about what they want or what's <laughs> happening here. It's they're all just extras for these rich people to act in front of. Yeah, and then. The nanny walks up and she's like, oh, my God, I can't go in there. My mom told me never to cross the picket line. Mm-hmm. Okay, good sentiment. And then the boss physically grabs his employee, <laughs> yes, a woman, around the waist uh-huh. and attempts to, this is assault, by the way, and battery, <laughs> attempts to drag her, his employee, through a line of picketing people into yeah. a hotel all really terrible way more way way worse of a thing to do than they made out out to be yeah and they're um, photographed and they're photographed and it ends up in the paper and it blows up and the next day th- this is the the crazy thing too 
the next day the nanny is all like defensive like she did something wrong they they play the whole third act oh, is played yeah. like she did something wrong so she's like i ruined the next it. morning she's like oh my god i have to apologize and they do this bit where she thinks she's talking to niles the butler but she's really talking to her boss behind a refrigerator door she's just going oh man i'm gonna have to make up and i'm gonna have to give him compliments and then she's like oh it's you um niles walks in hi niles oh i'm talking to the wrong person okay <laughs> really dumb and then they go on but it's just made out like she's the bad guy yeah like that's like, the assumption she should this is supposed yeah. to be a show from the perspective of the of the worker but it's actually a show written from the perspective of the oppressor of course well the, and the because yes the, the writers are all the sons of owners rich white guys with with yeah that old white guys that grew up with trust funds or something mm-hmm. it is credited this episode is credited to a woman but we'll also say it was probably she's a piece of shit too <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> uh, uh, we don't know any, we don't know anything about who the writers are um but we do know that she probably wasn't given free reign but this was not what, to write a woman's this perspective not well written. Um, anyway, anyway then they go on the talk show sally jesse Raphael, oh, played yeah, by sally jesse Raphael. why and are they because it goes viral, yes. I mean, and, yeah, because it... And Sally, this is crazy, too. Sally acts like the rich guy is right. And yeah, she's, she's like, like, don't you understand he did this because he cares about you? Yeah, like, he's like, he he cares. And see, he just wanted you to be at his premiere. She's like, this. It's in the real world, I mean, even if... <laughs> even if he was right or had some semblance of right, in the real world... yeah. Sally would have been on the side of the working class woman who's being dragged through a pit. It made it, no yeah. sense. It, they, everybody's acting like she fucked up. Yeah. And then, and then uh. finally Sally just in the gentlest way possible said to the boss, well, maybe you're a little wrong too. And you should think about how she feels about picket lines. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, I guess I should feel, I guess I could, you know, Look at her perspective about picket lines. Yeah. It's it's a very mealy mouth, uh, weak argument. Mm-hmm. And it's totally um, undercut by... By the... The way that... Fourth actor, the, mm-hmm. the tag uh, scene is when they're all back home. And obviously she's working again and making stuff mm-hmm. or whatever. And um, they read in the paper... Uh, they they put a, a nice little bow on the whole thing. They said all this publicity actually convinced the hotel to settle with the workers. Mm-hmm. And in the paper, it says the workers are now getting eight bucks an hour, which I looked up in today's dollars at 16, which is about minimum wage. Yeah. And the hotel work, busboys. The hotel Specifically workers. Specifically busboys, I think, right? And like, then you have Niles the butler and friend the nanny mm-hmm. both go, Oh, that's too much. Oh, eight bucks an hour. Jeez, what for for misremembering your order and and and, and not yeah. bringing towels after I asked them to ten times? Yeah. And like they just start totally acting like entitled mm-hmm. rich people. And then she says, "We got to get organized for being exploited." Yeah, implying that they're not <laughs> making funny. eight bucks an hour, which is also problematic. These two live-in people are not making eight bucks an hour. They're living help that work yeah, I mean, round the clock raising these kids and making dinners and stuff and they're not making eight, they're not making minimum yeah, wage right who knows what that's crazy too yeah i'm not sure what i'm not sure how to read that line actually i didn't that's not how i parsed it at first i think i was like i think i thought for a second that they were just, they were like just yeah just saying that it was like oh yeah well wow if we, you know we should do something because i don't know they don't deserve it it just seems so anti uh, union and anti-worker it seemed like an anti-union <laughs> button um and but but i i read it definitely as wow they're making eight bucks an hour remember so this is basically today's minimum wage yeah wow they're making minimum wage we need to unionize mm-hmm. so we get a pay increase yeah to minimum wage well i mean this is live in yeah. nannies today i i would guess make 30 40 50 or more you know an hour yeah they're living in a location taking care of three kids 24 you know every day anyway (laughs) 
this whole thing is insane. It it's definitely feels like it's written from the perspective <laughs> of the rich. Um, the the point is we are on the side of SAG after and the WGA striking for better representation in the industry, and we're definitely going to get into that. Mm-hmm. But um, the show sucked, <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, Fran yeah, Drescher, good on you for what you're doing. But um, I will say, you know, maybe if Fran Drescher hadn't walked, Natasha Leone couldn't run. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm saying walk and run. Yeah, <laughs> I'm saying she's, just, I'm saying she's going farther. They're both from New England. I mean, New, no, uh, but I'm Long saying, Island. but I feel like Natasha Leone. Like you just imagine her as a as a, just a little big eyed little kid in front of the TV set going, "Oh boy, look at her up there! <laughs> look maybe. at those outfits." It's somewhat like of a representation her. for a. Long Island type woman, mm-hmm. um, but um, I mean Natasha Leone is like a literal genius and absolutely acting maverick and definitely. Well, um, Fran's doing other good things. <laughs> <laughs> this is um, true, and they're both out there on the picket lines. It's the important thing. Speaking of eating the rich, I'm just gonna keep saying that mm-hmm. the Angel episode we watched, season two, episode ten, reunion, uh, is the one where. Darla, Drusilla comes back from wherever she's been out of nowhere. She to comes back from where she's been, wherever the she's writing room of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> yes, which if I, you know, if you give me a few minutes to think about it, I could place her in the Buffyverse. What what time is this? Because of course, it's sweeps week. She's going to go guest star on Buffy after this, right? She's, she heads back to, but actually I think and she Buffy is coming was from Buffy. still on simultaneously, right? Yeah, with, they were with on like Monday night, song. Tuesday night, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, this is very soon after uh, Spike confesses his crush on Buffy to Buffy, and then Drusilla comes back, etc. She rolls up into L.A. just in time to vamp Darla, who was brought back as a human. Blah blah blah. Doesn't really matter. The whole point is that these two hot vampire ladies from Angel's past. <coughs> are now in L.A. and they're rampaging. Well, there's somebody called the lawyers, right? These two white guys who brought Darla back. Yeah, Wolfram and, Wolfram and Hart are the are the law firm. Um, and like I said, they're like an interdimensional demonic force. They're named after the wolf, ram, and heart because they're an ancient entity of evilness. Um, but I was a little confused by that. They're just human white guys, right? Or are they these guys are these guys are humans, but they as as the as the series that goes on and as the budget expands, you see a lot more of their activities and and how wide ranging they are. They work with oh. a lot of demons. They represent a lot of demons. I thought they died in this. The, the law firm is not taken down by this. The old white dude is dead. The younger white guy lives. Okay, so I, I derail you, but they brought this girl back to life, and then Drusilla came back and turned yeah. her into a vampire. Yeah, indeed, they bring Drusilla in specifically to turn Darla back into a vampire. When they do, there's a you know there's a whole thing with Angel chasing them around, trying to find out where they're going, and Darla's becoming a vampire. She's under dirt. She jumps up from under the dirt. Runs around as a newborn vampire, screaming. <laughs> yeah, there's some. Drusilla's doing some sort of ritual where she's sleeping under. She's taking a dirt yeah, she's, nap. She's, she's her, literally she's taking, making a, dirt take a dirt nap. nap. Yeah, she's putting her. She's burying her. Yeah, because Drusilla is a. You know, she's a very uh, magical thinking type of person. She, the ritual is very important to her. So she, there's probably something she's imagining that like there's a proper way to do this. I'm gonna plant her in the ground. She's gonna come back up like a flower. You know, she's got a very poetic way. Mm-hmm. Of doing these things, we know that a vampire will just turn if you just leave them laying around. If someone drains you to the point of death, this is known, and then makes you drink their blood, and they're a vampire. That's how you get turned into a vampire. This is backed up by interview with a vampire, what we do in the shadows. This is like standard vampire lore. Hey, it's current what we do in the shadows plot too. It is no spoilers. But we might have to do that one soon. Yep. So she gets turned. In in five seconds, she's fine. But another vampire lore staple is newborn vampires are stronger than any other type of vampire. When you first well, become a vampire, she's just crazy for a while. Rampage. Then she eats. She, she bites one homophobe. <laughs> then, then yeah, what was that guy? Some guy's just, like, just like, hey, 
He, he just he just goes, hey, get your you and your girlfriend take the makeout session somewhere else or something. You know, it's not really homophobic. It's just yeah. Well, they're standing in the middle of the street. Yeah, they're fighting. <laughs> in the, but yeah. Instead of being like, hey, stop fighting. He just says something snotty and then she eats him. Yeah. This is a very kinky episode, which is part of the reason I brought it on is because they're alternately the three main vampires are just constantly either beating each other up or making out <laughs> or flirting with each other the whole episode. So the two ladies beat each other up a little bit and then flirt with each other a little bit and decide to go shopping. They go mm-hmm. on a killing spree through a mall. Another thing that links to Because is that episodes. what ladies do, Joss? Is that what they do? They go shopping. They go okay. shopping. And they rampage all over the shop they girls. They kill, kill the shop, shop girls. girls. And they leave a terrified human witness in one of the dressing rooms who survives when Angel eventually finds them. When Angel is, is tracking them down, he finds this girl. Because he goes to the, the lawyers. The lawyers have a have a security team oh, armed yeah, with... bursts in the window. ...with uh, wooden stakes. Uh-huh. So basically... Angel walks into a trap. The lawyers surround him, but they're like, we're going to let you go because you're too important for something. (laughs) Yeah. And then he goes to his police friend and she's like, "Uh, two murders, department store. Well, they they take him out in handcuffs. I think they throw him in the back of a police car. I think they do try to have him arrested. The lawyer has him arrested. Yeah. And then his cop friend, who there's this whole, who's a whole season one thing. Uh, she she is like, yeah, they she killed cute. they killed she, a bunch does of people. He, date her? he there's a lot of tension between them. I think they I, and I think maybe they changed the direction they were going to go in with that. I don't know for what reason, but she's more important in the first season. Um, because it makes more sense for him to have a cop friend if he's going to be a detective in L.A. <laughs> like, it doesn't really make sense that he's just a private detective. And, yeah, and uh, this mean, show is notorious for the the the, the location. We should the get main into setting what changes you, every season. What you need to do to actually, could anyone just say you're, they're a private detective or are there some steps involved? I mean, yeah, Don't honestly. you have to know a few people? I don't know. Yeah. So all, Angel follows the trail of dead <laughs> and the trail of blood to Holland Manor's house, specifically his wine cellar, which used to be a bomb shelter, which I think is supposed to make us realize how thick those doors are. <laughs> but well, um Angel doesn't follow. I mean, the, that guy, the old well, the, lawyer, just tells Angel, "Hey, I'm having a party later. Don't come." Yeah, but the girl, so the girl dumb. in the dressing room says that's where the vampire ladies are going. She yeah. says they were going to a tasting. The vampire girls show up first at this. Yeah, this lawyer wine tasting. Exactly, and so yes, so presumably and they came to the door, and the and the wife just said, "Oh, uh, come in," <laughs> like you know, trying to be polite. Oh, come right in. She must have just said something, invited them in, because they just yeah. showed up and they were, looked like cute you know, young girls. Note for if you're ever going to be a rich lawyer who's uh, got on the bad side of a lot of <laughs> vampires, tell your wife not to just invite people in that yeah. you don't know willy nilly. Seems like yeah, you have no security at your own house like that. <laughs> Why isn't there a bodyguard there with a stake? Yeah, who recognizes these who, girls? Who knows them? This is the hubris. Of the of the one percent, right? Or the hubris of the writer. <laughs> um, sorry, the uh, girls. Exactly. So are, the girls are invited in by the wife, who is then. They they eat her off almost screen. Almost they drain her a little bit. Fatally wounded. Yeah. and they step in and they they just tease the humans for a while and and kind of flirt with how they're going to kill them. Um, there's a lot of you know villain speech. Angel steps in. And the dying, you know, injured wife looks up at him and says, help us. Thus inviting him in. Thus inviting him in. He says, that's good enough for me. He runs in. And now the white guys are relieved. They're like, oh, Angel's here to save us from our own creation. These two crazy ladies. Yeah, they're like, oh, thank God Angel's here. And earlier Holland had taunted him about like the fact that he doesn't kill humans. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're not. I'm not scared of you. You don't kill humans. And he's like, you don't qualify. Um, and uh, so you know, we already know that Angel feels gray about it. But he is a. Also, the old man says something to Angel about somehow I don't care because Angel's like, don't you care about the people you 
yeah he's like you sit up here yeah no. he's he's talking to, it's just a it's a straight out of the the straight off the wga picket line he's like you sit up there in your glass and chrome towers in and the, uh people down here are dying in he your goes, and yet somehow i don't seem i just can't seem to your care lego like building that has different floors right on the 101 there and the top <laughs> floor is skewed a little bit from the floor below it and it's so cool <laughs> netflix i mean <laughs> i mean well from your heart yeah he's very much just like i don't yeah. quite get what the old lawyer's plan was but so they're with all their friends in a room the two female vampires who they invited to la are now threatening to kill them yeah angel walks in he's gonna save them maybe <laughs> well because he's like he's like oh you know we're talking about so holland manners is a you know what you'd call probably lawful evil right um and he's okay. going he's going he's going angel is lawful good i can trust him to do the right thing no matter what mm-hmm. he's not going to do anything he's like batman but like mm-hmm. batman i don't have to save you or <laughs> whatever right yeah so angel pulls a uh pulls a great mirror dialogue moment when Holland Manners is like, Angel, please, you got to do something. People are going to die. Yet somehow, I just can't seem to care. And, he, and it's like this great like sweep up of the camera. He slams the door. It's so cool. I, it's a great moment. It's what makes the episode a memorable one. And, yeah. And when it happened, it was, you you were like, yeah. <laughs> it it was surprising. Was um, and yeah, it's shocking, right? It was shocking. I, I thought he was going to do the right thing, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, basically he dooms 25 rich white mm-hmm. people to die. Mm-hmm. He locks them in the, in the room. Yeah, yeah. There, he doesn't there's like talk give of a, a chance. All through the episode, there's talk of a massacre, and the girls are like, ooh, that sounds fun. Yeah. And then Angel just gives it to him. Uh, yeah. Which now, is why I was surprised when you were like, oh, and then they're going to do something next episode or something. I was like, what? But they got massacred. Well, no, yeah, the the law firm itself is large, powerful, and far-reaching. Uh, Holland, okay. Holland Manners is the, you know, he's not he's not like a senior he's partner. He's not the only guy. He's not a senior partner by any means. Okay. Um, he's he's up there, but he was like he was high up, but now there's going to be a scramble for whatever. So in the next episode, you're going to see Lila with you know some injuries and bruises she's like i can't believe we survived you know lila and Lindsay uh, are the because they're the two most interesting they were his vp is a acolytes or something they survive i think darla just lets him live she likes him it's interesting that vampires could restrain themselves enough to kill certain people like we're gonna have a rampage and kill a bunch of people in a a room but i'm gonna like not drain this one guy because the writer said he needs them next time Mm mm-hmm um, and, oh man! Yeah, it's writer magic or, or it's uh, it's story armor, but um, yeah, uh, that was pretty fun. Yeah, and so then the button on it is that Angel goes home to be lectured. He goes back to the hotel to where they live, the, <laughs> the hotel the where they all stay. Gang. He gets lectured at the by, mystery team um, by the team with Cordelia, Wesley, and Charles Gunn. They all scream at him, and no, they all took wildly. <laughs> they're like great you're, emotion like this. This is. You're becoming truly. everybody on Angel talks, talks <laughs> like this, like just barely holding it together. <laughs> Even Cordelia talks like that. Yeah, the cop did. Angel, yeah, does that's true. Every word from David Boreanaz. Anyway, yeah. sorry. And then just so stiffness. One of the guys says, "Don't you know that we're the only thing standing between you and complete darkness?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, and he's like yeah, yes, that's true. I do. <laughs> You're all fired. Uh-huh. That was pretty bad. And they're stunned. And yeah, he's going to go on to have a two episode arc of uh, standing in a, you know, in a white tank top and, and punching his punching bag and with a voiceover going like, nobody fucking understands me. I don't know. You know what? I don't need them. I don't need them anyway. I'm on my own mission. The mission really? is revenge. And he, he goes on this wild. Yeah, we should watch. The it's next. all montage for the next two episodes. <laughs> when Angel pulls out the dun, dun, the dun, voiceover, dun, 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 you know, it is scary. I'm going to kick so much fucking yeah. demon. And then he that ends with him torching a, a building that Darla and Drusilla are in. Um 
fucking them up a little bit, not killing them. But Drusilla flees, I think, and Darla. He at some point fucks Darla when he's in his bad, his little bad boy phase. Mm. It culminates in them having sex. Her expecting him to lose his soul, him not losing his soul, and her being like, what is that about? Like, do we have to have sex again? Like, aren't you going to lose your soul? And he's like, uh, no, that wasn't like happiness. Is it because he wasn't loving? He wasn't in love with her or something? Because it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't happiness. It, it was just love. kind of, whatever. Oh, it's so stupid. But it's just then a she, fuck, love. she comes back. It's not true love. <laughs> it was just a fuck, love. It wasn't true love. Uh, yes. Anyway, the next time we see Darla after that, she will come back pregnant. What? And a spoiler alert for how she will eventually die. Don't Power say through. it. Do you want me not to say no, it? No, I want you to say it and I want them to keep listening. Well, she goes into labor, but there's no way for They're like, there's no way for her to the deliver the baby. The baby's like impenetrable. Well, the baby is so strong. There's no ultrasound. They can't do anything. There's no like, it's so strong. It's going to whatever. But yet she, it can't be born because she's dead, I guess. It's just like a mystical thing where a vampire can't technically give birth. So she picks up a piece of wood and stakes herself, leaving the newborn baby on the ground. Oh. Oh, she just, okay. <clears throat> and Turns uh, herself to dust. And then angels in the rain. And, oh, um, angel then baby. It gets, then it gets off the rails. And then they, they did <laughs> that animated spinoff. Angel baby, they make our <laughs> dreams come true. All the, oh, that's a and great then there's idea. a little spike and there's a little buffy. Oh <laughs> my god, that's so good. That oh, has let's to make be that. I'm sure that's out there though. Well, we got to right, we got to do this. You said earlier we're, we can't be developing Angel right now. Babies. Even though we're not WGA <laughs> officially, we ain't developing right now. But as soon as it's over, Angel Babies will be available. <laughs> okay, so I thought of this. How do you feel about Darla as a metaphor for AI? being unleashed in the room full of executives and and the writers and the actors are going mm. are going well you made your bed you're gonna lie in it and locking them in i mean i guess it's <laughs> it's yet to be seen whether ai is going to murder the executives of uh all the streaming companies um <sighs> yeah i don't know somehow i feel like but then it would be ironic um speaking of of the word ironic. I, I read a review. I was looking for this, uh, for the strike episode of The Nanny. Mm-hmm. And I read a review that's like, Nanny Fine refuses to cross a picket line where ironically the play is uh, Norma Ray is happening, which is about a label stri- labor stroke. That's not ironic. That's, that's intentional. written in intentionally yeah. to, I guess if you're in the world of The Nanny, it's ironic that that would be happening to yeah, her okay, sure. in the world. But it just sounded like so <laughs> weird to call it ironically as if it was just <laughs> the writer didn't even think about this. But did you know that Norma Ray's about labor <laughs> and unions? Oh, wow. Man. It was crazy how that just happened. <laughs> That's the only thing that the writers of the nanny actually planned in the episode because yes. the rest of it was yes. l- ludicrous. And also, we, were talking we talked about, about this. like how great it would have been. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sorry to just step on it. <laughs> no, no. We're saying the exact same thing at the same time. We were we were discussing how good a real episode based on a Norma Ray musical could have been. Could, you could have, have been hit, so You could funny. hit three beats of different songs that are super funny. If it was the Simpsons, you know, think mm-hmm. about the monorail song. Think about the Planet of the Apes musical. Absolutely. They did like three songs. Yes. There's an unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt where Titus can't stop singing because he's so happy. So he pulls out, he keeps referencing this musical he keeps referencing these old musicals that don't exist, like uh, uh, a, a black version so of funny. Oklahoma called Alabama. Uh, <laughs> there's, oh there's just some unbelievable, really funny little moments that if you had a musical theater geek on the yeah. writing staff, you would think somebody would put that in. Every episode of My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend has a two or three musical numbers. Like they could have, yes, exactly. like what I'm saying is they should have hired Rachel Bloom in 1996 <laughs> to, uh, to write this episode because yeah. there was so much fodder there. They wasted the entire first act not talking about yeah, labor, it doesn't make sense. labor movements or labor politics. Yeah. I mean, give it a theme. Like you have two laborers here, a nanny and I'm just going to say Butler. I don't know. If that's exactly what his job is. But you have a nanny and a butler yeah. living in this place, working for a rich, successful producer. Yeah. 
that's the story. In fact, the story is that the, should be the story. The picket line should have happened at the beginning. He his refusal they to have they should have gone on strike in the middle of the episode. They should they have should asked have, for a, a raise right? because the hotel workers gave him the idea that they're not getting exactly. Paid. Then he could have had a whole back half where he's like had to do his own laundry for a week, and then and you he can can't do sing anything. Norma Ray songs that would actually would have amazing. something to do with the plot and that would express what was happening. That would be a great. <laughs> I know this is why you got to pay writers because. <laughs> We just rewrote this episode. <laughs> By the way, yeah. when the but strike no, also, is over, yeah. we're b- available to write on your sitcom. But here, no, here's the real, here's the real moral of the story, right? Even though, right, with all of this stuff that we've just said, they still deserve to be making money from the fact that we were just able to stream that episode because we yes. wanted to stream that episode out of nowhere. It's an episode that nobody has any right to fucking watch again because it's unwatchable. <laughs> but By yeah, the way, we and we're not paying any. Uh, struck companies for streaming because uh, no these are all stolen passcodes we we have relatives we've stolen relatives passcodes (laughs) I'm not paying for god I don't I shouldn't even admit this I I am paying for Amazon Prime because the shipping oh you get so much from the shipping (laughs) um it's hard It's, it's hard not to I mean look this is the thing right do we all go on a general strike this is this is one of those like that, I mean, you know. I've thought about that. Should we stop watching content this summer? That would be really hard. Um, I was listening to a science podcast about addiction, and although I might have certain addictions in life, TV might be <laughs> the, <laughs> the biggest one. Sure. So, I mean, they they said in the, the show that if you give yourself too much of the dopamine provider, mm-hmm. television, sitcom, sure. comedy, yeah then your brain produces less of the dopamine. Mm-hmm. And the doctor on the show suggested taking a four-week break from the thing that gives you the dopamine. Mm. So your brain, i.e. stop watching TV for four weeks, uh-huh. so your brain starts producing its own dopamine. Sure, yeah. And then you could be happy again. <laughs> um, I'm not saying I'm taking a four-week break off TV. I'm just saying that the, the general theory and... This podcast made me feel yeah. like I should. <laughs> but if you if you take a four week break off of anything like marijuana or alcohol, then mm-hmm. that probably naturally lends itself to taking a four week break off of TV as well. <laughs> Meaning yeah. TV will naturally be less consumed I mean, if you're not. I already don't drink you know. much, but I could take a break from weed and TV for a month and see how that goes. <laughs> the world's going to shit. Do I deserve my brain to be making that much dopamine? <laughs> Do I deserve to be that happy? The doctor says, if I just clean up, I'll be happier. <laughs> but do I deserve it? <laughs> That's how I feel about like working out. Like I would mm. do it, but like, do I really deserve that? Do I deserve <laughs> the, the good to have feeling and being fit? Abs? I don't think I don't so. Know. I should do that. <laughs> well, I've made a personal, I've made it a personal goal of mine to become fit and hot by your birthday of this year so oh. that gives me a few months to do a bunch of sit-ups and i tell you what's giving me up. motivation is that twitch stream that we just made uh is motivating me to try to lose a couple of these chins <laughs> i have under my chin what are um, the exercises for that uh, <laughs> sucking a lot of d if you know what i'm saying <laughs> do you play the trombone backwards <laughs> <laughs> what? You suck in air the trombone and it does something to the throat. I don't know. I do have a trombone. I played trombone in high school and I have one sitting right here, but it kind of stinks if you suck the air. <laughs> you don't really want to suck the air out of it. Uh, it tastes mm. bad. It's bad air. Uh, malaria. It's sitting in there. Malaire. Yeah, what malaria. 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 Um, that's where it comes from, trombones. Mm-hmm. Malaria, yeah, comes, malaria <laughs> comes, comes from trombones. Learn nothing else and that's today. what we've learned today, really. <laughs> malaria comes from We didn't from learn much about labor air. or unions or how much a butler makes. Um, yeah, I mean, we're coming, we're, we might be over an hour, about an hour, but um, what, what connections can we make from the, uh, the labor struggles of the nanny and, and <laughs> the... Uh, the power dynamics and class warfare of um, mm. punk rock 
Well, I think vampires. What's interesting is, you know, the vampires in the episode can't just they're not like a straight metaphor for the working class devouring the rich right because you know they, they're going shopping themselves and they're and powerful they're, they're, they style themselves they're very princessy um they're but it could almost be like, like elite in a way yeah but they can be sort of the the result the the side effect of mm. the, the inequality actually that's interesting because when i was explaining it or when i was like uh explaining the relations between the vampires it made me think how they're not related by human genetics but they are related by blood by a bloodline of vampires who've made other people into vampires which is like in a way hijacking human patriarchy human bloodlines Mm. It's are interrupted you cho- by it's saying you choose your family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. It's very they make a chosen family. Well, pride that's very friendly. True. It's very that's uh, very much what what we do in the shadows is about. Every vampire. That's what Friends is about. Situation seems to include these thruples and quadrangles of pansexual and very intimate groups of vampires like vampirism is always always stands in for deep eroticism <laughs> yeah i guess they're, they're all sort of they're all super they have super sensitive beast, senses beast mode. they have super hearing and super Sensual- vision super and sensuality and stuff yeah they're super sensual exactly and in this case they were something that was unleashed by an entity that couldn't control entertainment so like mm-hmm. these rich guys unleashed something that just came back to mm. kill them it, it it speaks to, uh, yeah, hubris, I think, is the word you used earlier, that they just they just thought they were untouchable. Yeah. So, all right, then that's what I'm going to make my metaphor. My metaphor is that the vampires are, are SAG and AFTRA, and yeah. Angel is the WGA. And so they're going, yeah, you, they're going you, go. you, know, you, you can't let them destroy us. And he's going, you made these superstars. You gave them this power this unbelievable power and they're going to turn on you now and uh, I'm going to watch it happen. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great metaphor. Sag. Let's put that Sag are up. the vampires. It doesn't sound as good out of context, but <laughs> Sag are the vampires. WJ is the demon, vampire with demon a soul. Slaying demon. Gonna, yeah. And uh, the, the old white guys are just the old white guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, Wolfram and Hart are a good metaphor for any suits that you don't like they're just bad execs yeah um they're evil they're actively doing evil on purpose which is the great part you know it's a little not to say that every member of the to AM, just say, yeah. say that the old white guys are just doing evil for evil's sake but it's you but know it tracks <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think the producers are necessarily all doing evil for evil's sake but definitely the way that they've structured the streaming technology in the last 10 years they knew this fight was coming because the last time there was a strike in 2010 or something writers were like hey we got to do something about the streaming thing and they're like we'll talk about it later let's Mm -hmm. see how it shakes out so they knew this was coming the evil part is they obstinately refused to do things that they knew they were going to have to do eventually like release view counts i mean that's a big thing from my limited view of what's happening, I'm not involved directly, but I do understand technology mm-hmm. and writing. No one will publish how many times anything is viewed, so you can't give someone mm-hmm. adequate residuals if they have no idea how many people are watching the damn thing. The upfront cost of a writer is low because mm-hmm. part of writing is a gamble on getting residuals in the future. And if what you write is good, and mm-hmm. that's not the only factor, but if yeah. luck is involved and it catches on, then you could be set for life or mm-hmm. you could at least have a little bit of income for life from your friends' reruns or whatever. Right. But if literally no one is producing or reporting how many eyeballs are getting on content, there's no way to do that. And they knew they were going to have to. And they still know to this day that they're going to have to yeah. publish those numbers. And they can. It's well within technology. It's well within a streaming platform. They can even record eyeballs down to a nanosecond. You know, like if you watch for two seconds and you leave, that can be recorded. They, they can release exactly how many seconds of content by how many millions of people 
on every single episode of every single show if they wanted to and they're just dragging their feet they're just yeah putting off the inevitable like the inevitable murder by vampires that you created <laughs> you created this vampire called streaming mm-hmm. and now and you're that's locked really in a room with it bitch yeah and and that's true right it's sucking all of our attention it's sucking everybody's blood and it's turning on its creators and now they're fucked but i mean hopefully what we're gonna see is somebody come to the goddamn table and we want it like make I a want de- make a deal I like on-demand everything. I like the idea that all TVs and movie from history is almost completely available on streaming. Yeah. Good job, guys. Thanks. But you didn't make a reasonable way for people to yeah. work in the industry, and it's not because you can't. It's because just having the website doesn't mean you, you made the thing. Like, like Netflix, you didn't make the thing. <laughs> There's people who work for these companies who make the shows, but... Mm-hmm. The a thousand people it's made only it. it only exists because of yeah these these group group efforts these right. hundreds of thousands of different group efforts that come together to make that's a great what point we call content and and then it's it, but it, but and they're they're like they sign really this contract that says it's ours and ours only yeah and now we can parade it on going like HBO you know what that means it means it's fucking great and you're like I do know that except right like that's a great point there's like. Every single property, and, every know. single episode and video on a streaming platform is made by it minimum 50 up to 10,000 people, you know. Yeah. And it's not just some company owns it. It's a thou- it's those thousands of people own it and should be compensated on every on every part of the mm-hmm. success of it. Cuz it's like yeah, I mean like look at Game of Thrones. Say what you will, whatever. The writing on Game of Thrones, the direction on Game of Thrones is no better. Can we talk about than... that ending. Just <laughs> they just go into Starbucks democracy. Cup. They just invent democracy in the Middle Ages. All right. <laughs> Ugh, snore. <laughs> Jesus. And what planet are they on? If I'm going to rewatch Game of Thrones, and I have been, it's because I want to look at the embroidery on Catelyn Tully's coat yeah. i want to look at the furs i want to look at the what that wardrobe department the did customer. is easily the best thing about that show and that's an example of a crew kicking ass on something sure behind the scenes making something really watchable I and it's just as important as r- the writing it just as important what as the, the best acting boy did in the key grip <laughs> you're a best that boy lighting. at best <laughs> at best, best at i know what a best. grip does <laughs> yeah that's yeah, but that's a great point. Like, we're not there to see what some schmo in the Netflix building did. We're there to see, like, somebody orchestrated this, and good for you, producer who orchestrated it all. Yeah, and, and yes, I'm looking part at of it. I'm looking at like, when you say even it's curated or how it's set up or how, where the buttons are. I'm watching for that. That's part of it too. The people who are making the actual app. Yeah. Sure. But yeah, it's, it's worth something. Sure. It's the app technology. It's the set design. It's the costumes. And most of all, the acting. Because <laughs> actors, and if you're listening and you're an actor, I'm sorry we didn't say this enough. We love Actors you. are the most important fucking part of it. <laughs> um, I say that as a writer and in, in, in all insincerity. <laughs> they don't know what that means. Actors. <laughs> Oh, I love this thing that actors are dumb. That's just like some fun to me. It's great. Because honestly, there's like a kernel of we're sure. talking about people who can memorize things down to like the facial expressions they're supposed to make at any given moment and then jump into and do it ten jump times. into a mask or of if another it's a David persona. O. Movie thirty times. <laughs> yeah, while getting screamed at. While getting screamed at. It's a kind of a superpower. But it's a it's a freakishness and it's a superpower. It is a superpower. Time. And there are people who are really good at it and um none of them were in any of the shows we saw today (laughs) um but also the reason actors get a bad rap is because a lot of people think they're actors that aren't Mm, yeah and a lot of people who are sort of charismatic or maybe not even Mm. charismatic but just kind of loud yes um run around saying they're actors it's easy for a, a someone who's real egoist to think they're 
they should be a movie star, sure. I guess, yeah. is the way to put it. I'm not saying they're worse. I'm just saying that writers are better <laughs> and musicians are better <laughs> and tech people are better. <laughs> the lighting crew is better. <laughs> they're all better than actors <laughs> and actors are better than producers. <laughs> And directors are the best. <laughs> That's how it goes. <laughs> That's the hierarchy. Directors are the best. No, of course, I'm kidding. Um, when are they striking? All creative people are great and kind of suck at the same time. Um, the directors made a deal, I think, to avoid the strike. Oh, really? Um, but they're still in support, I imagine, many of them. Yeah, I mean... Many of them are writers. Most of them are working on a documentary about the strike right now. <laughs> um, that's our show. Remember, fines don't cross picket lines. And angels don't live in Los Angeles. That's our show. Watch Norma Ray, if anything else. Don't watch any of the things we watched yeah. today. If you'd like to hear us talk about TV again, just go look at a different episode. And there yeah. we will be. There's a, there's hundreds of thousands of the episodes of BDFM TV. Yes. Uh, they may be, if you can only see the first 20 or so, that could be because they're still like loading into your dimension. <laughs> Sometimes there's like a buffering. You can find us at garage.tv slash bdfmpod, on threads at bdfmpod. Instagram at bdfmpod, twitch.tv slash bdfmtv. Yeah, we'll start doing the watch-alongs there, uh, or you can find it, you can uh, throw us a couple bucks at patreon.com slash bdfmpod. Or subscribe to Garage TV. That's at garage.tv. And then you can get all the watch-alongs from all ten mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of episodes. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.